Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or iHeart, hit that subscribe or follow button. Welcome to another episode of the Imagination Health and Wellness Podcast. I am Carolyn Scott, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to listen to the Imagination Health and Wellness Podcast, your source for health and wellness from a biblical perspective with a real-world application. And as always, I am joined by my co-host and friend, Clement Norris. Hello, Clement. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing? I am great. Well, we're going to jump right into this again because I, I think by now we've said it so many times that the listening audience knows that we appreciate the fact that they take the time to listen to the program. Mm-hmm. And we literally are begging you that if you hear something that you like, Please share it with those that you love, with your friends, especially what we're going to be talking about today. Again, we have a a fabulous guest, Dr. Dana Nexu. She did a previous program for us, which was also fabulous. So we strongly recommend that you pass the word because I don't know the exact number, but we are rapidly approaching 400,000 deaths from COVID-19. And I know a lot of times we tend to focus on the deaths, but we also want to remember that there are many, many people out there. Matter of fact, way more than 400,000 who are like me who have survived COVID-19. And I don't know the number for that either, but I can assure you that is well over 400,000. And I saw the news today, which kind of surprised me. Uh, It it says that roughly 15% of of children have been getting COVID and apparently that number has been increasing. And so we are, you know, obviously coming out of the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving, as well as uh, Christmas and New Year's. And of course, with each one of those, we have seen a bump or a rise in COVID infections. And uh, it does seem like, and they were talking about it, I think today on the news, that it does seem like more young people are being impacted by COVID. And what we want to talk about today is the vaccine, which I consider good news. Matter of fact, I will go as far as to say uh, great news. We're going to be talking about the vaccine. There are uh, two out there that I believe are, at least in the United States, the one from the Moderna vaccine and the the, uh, Pfizer vaccine. I do believe... There is supposed to be another one coming fairly soon, I suppose. And unlike the other two, this particular vaccine is supposed to only require one shot. One of the things we want to kind of focus on that we want to talk about with Dr. Nexu is, you know, we hear a lot about these vaccines, but we also want to, you know, consider the possibility if there are other things that can be done, uh, particularly natural things that can be done that can uh, basically uh, help your body fight off the COVID virus or anything along that line. So we want to talk about that. And that's one of the reasons 
why I'm excited about Dr. Nix, you've been here, because she is a integrative medicine doctor. Uh, and so I, my first question for her, and I've asked her before, but I think it's kind of important for uh, setting the groundwork for why I think she's actually an excellent person to be touching on this particular topic. Uh, we're going to ask her to uh, really explain to us what is integrative medicine. Thank you for um, inviting me back. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. You know, I love talking about, about this. You know, um, a lot of people are confused by so many terms out there because you might have heard about functional medicine, alternative medicine. Really, truly, I think integrated medicine is the way I see it and the way to go because by that, I mean that I am able to use the best for both medical words, right? From conventional medicine and from the functional medicine or um, alternative medicine because sometimes you know, for example, with COVID-19, there's certain medications that can help you, you know, beat this virus, survive and or, or you know, um, get better faster with, with some medication help. But there is also that component of prevention and using different supplements and, and other methods to, in order to keep you from, from getting sick. So to me, that's the best way of practicing medicine because there is a time and role for, for everything. And that's how it should be done. So it's it's really a combination of the best from both medical words. Absolutely marvelous. And so would it be fair to say or to ask if there was something specifically out there that is natural that one can take in place of getting the vaccine and, le and let me be let me be totally transparent here now because i have had the vaccine i've had the first shot and i fully intend on getting the second one on the 26th is there an alternative to taking the vaccine such as the hydro and i know this word always it always beats me up hydro hydroxychloroquine there you go <laughs> yes <laughs> long name right <laughs> this yeah. doctor's come up with the weirdest name ever always <laughs> i know in my mind i can see it <laughs> oh, i just can't get it to come out my mouth right yes yes well i don't blame you believe me on that one <laughs> no, so, no so, so, so so let's start with this you know we gotta right. start with first what is that particular drug because i think a lot of our listeners probably heard particularly at the beginning of the year, President Trump talked about it to nauseam. He, he mm -hmm. was a strong proponent of it. He said at the time that he was taking it, he was thoroughly convinced that it would prevent him from getting the virus. And I think as well-known public knowledge that he has been infected with the virus and he got mm -hmm. the virus. So what is hydrochloroquine? Right. So um, hydroxychloroquine is a anti-malaria drug. So it's used for, or it was used primarily for, for that, you know, malaria that people are exposed to when they, they travel to, to different foreign countries. But in addition to that, it's being used by the rheumatologists for a certain autoimmune treatment. So for example, people with lupus or people with a type of arthritis that's called rheumatoid arthritis, they would use that in order to decrease that autoimmune response and that inflammation that's directed against your own body. So in the beginning of this pandemic, of course, everybody was trying to figure out ways of 
how can uh, dealing with this virus, reducing some of that inflammation that was causing inside the lungs? Because as you know, that was the way that, you know, people would get in trouble or, or patients during the early days would get in trouble. It was the respiratory distress. It was the shortness of breath. They couldn't get enough air and they will then, you know, crashing rapidly. So there were certain, there, there are a couple of studies in the beginning uh, that suggested that maybe the hydroxychloroquine would have a role, especially if you pair it with certain vitamins. So, and, and it was used by, by different physicians for, for a while. We tried in the hospital a couple of times, of course, without the full dose of vitamins, but I know many physicians tried as outpatients with the exact regimen. Truth to be told, I personally haven't seen uh, much results with it. And in fact, I know other than President Trump, I know of other two people who were taking the hydroxychloroquine for their own autoimmune disease for years, and they still got, um, uh, they're still infected with COVID-19. So, uh, you know, and, and actually I just treated someone over the phone and with exactly the same situation, he, he, um, or treat, not treated because he called me and he was not he was not feeling well and I said what happened and he said I was uh, I was tested um, and I was positive with COVID nineteen I got sick and then he was seeing someone and they were doing exactly the same protocol with hydroxychloroquine short story he still got very sick developed pneumonia and by the time he was calling me he sounded really bad and I said you really need to go to the hospital and now he ended up admitted and, and treated with everything else so. I can say in good conscience that I've seen good good results with this, at least to the extent that you know we use it in the hospital and community or people that I know use it. So I just want to be clear. So hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. that is not something natural. In other words, it too was made in a lab, like the vaccine was. Yes, it's a medication. It's a drug. You need a prescription for it. Um, it does have certain adverse reactions. Some of them are uh, more of long term, like the unfortunately it can affect your um, eyes, but that's you know only for people who would take it for a long time. The one reaction that we're all scared as physician is something called prolonged QT interval. That means there is an um, electrical change inside the, or within the heart um, conduct system and that can trigger irregular heartbeats and arrhythmias and can be serious, especially if people do take more than, and most people take some other medications like ZPAC, Zofran. These are considered like, you know, as you know, people always are on some kind of drugs for different conditions. But when you combine all of these medications, you kind of, it's it's the perfect storm and you can get in trouble with with that. Yes. Okay. When the uh, president uh, kept making references to it. He kept insisting that it was an effective form of prevention for not getting the virus. He ended up getting the virus. So when we're talking about n- things naturally we can do, and I, and I, you just mentioned the uh, vitamins, and if you, you know, what what can be done naturally to replace taking the vaccine that will get you the same effectiveness of the vaccine because the vac and correct me if my numbers are wrong, but both of the vaccines, Pfizer and, and Moderna, they're supposed to be a uh, 95% effective, which when I look at the flu vaccine, which I've also had, 
That's, I think, at best is somewhere between 55 and 60% effective. Is there mm-hmm. anything natural that you could take that would be preventative to stop you from getting the virus or at least increase the, the, the likelihood to 95%? Absolutely. I don't know if I can give you a num- number, you know, in terms of exact effectiveness. And also with the vaccine, the way they looked at this 95% effectiveness is they really looked at the people who actually developed um, symptoms, right? So that's how they they compare. We don't know yet how many people were actually tested positive and, and did not exhibit any symptoms. We don't know the rate of transmission to other non-immunized people. So we don't have that whole data yet, and it'll be interesting to see. But in terms of prevention or using certain supplements in order to to, to um, prevent that infection, definitely there's so many things that um, one can do. And I've, I've been doing it myself, as you know, as you know, I've been exposed for online since since March. The the difference between doing or 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 using supplements and using different other lifestyle changes versus vaccine is that with the first category, you enhance your whole immune system right? Versus the vaccine, which is much more targeted and, and it's, it's um, helping your body produce a certain type of antibody that is directed um, against, against the virus. So it'd be like having, you know, a whole army versus a couple of a few snipers that are really well trained and might just go directly um, after your, your target where the whole army would just, you know, fight everything on the way. And, 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 you know, conquer this way. Both options are great. I, you know, I think using natural supplements and enhancing your immune system is the way to go no matter what, because um, at least until we have more, more data about the vaccine effectiveness, we just, you know, we hope it will stay at 95 once we have, you know, whole population actually vaccinated and see if the trial results will be replicated by, by the general population. Um, and, and, you know, I always, when I think about um, enhancing my immune system, I always think uh, diet, I always think uh, movement, I always think um, stress reduction, and, and then, of course, the supplements. And we can talk for hours just about that, but in terms of supplements, I always, um, I, I would, you know, I could just tell you what, what I've been using and I don't take everything at the same time, but I'd rather just rotate through different things. But just top of my head, definitely um, elderberry or how people know it as a sambucus. It has a great antiviral property. I would think uh, zinc, especially when you might notice some, you know, maybe some cold, some runny nose, some congestion. You want to, in general with supplements, you want to jump on like the moment you feel something, the moment you just feel like something is not right, that's when you should start taking the supplements. Don't don't wait too long, right? It, it's it's not it's not like a, a medication that won't act so quickly, but those can help. So elderberry, zinc, I'll definitely make sure the vitamin D levels for everybody are in you know optimal range. And I don't mean like maybe a 31 when the lower level is 30. I want it to be somewhere around 50 because that's how your, or our immunity works. We do need optimal levels of, of vitamins. I would probably throw in maybe even some um, probiotics for, for, especially for those people who know that fermented foods are not a part of their 
um, daily routine because probiotics are so important for the gut health. And that's where also a lot of the immune system uh, resides. So in addition to that, you can do mushrooms extract. They're great for immunity. You can do um, a little bit of vitamin C combined, maybe actually not just a little bit, if you could maybe go up to one to two grams, depending on how your gut tolerates it, that would be great as well. I like to have some herbal teas, maybe chamomile with a bit of uh, lemon or orange juice for an extra vitamin C. So these are just you know, top of my just few things that everybody should do. And they're, they're pretty safe, no really uh, contraindications. Of course, with vitamin D, you want to be careful with the levels because it can accumulate in your body. So with that, we really need to keep an eye on the levels and maybe recheck every couple of months. So, and correct me if I'm wrong. So those are the things you just mentioned. Of course, those are natural things. And obviously, you know, you, I think it would be fair to say they include exercise and all that. Absolutely. Um, because all that's going to play. So, so we, we pretty much really kind of talking about for the most part, things we ought to be doing to keep a healthy immune system, regardless of COVID-19, correct? regardless absolutely you're so right about that so if if i'm doing these things which that i ought to be doing regardless of it then really what i'm doing is if my immune system is is functioning at optimal levels and i take the vaccine then it just seems like to me and i'm just speculating but it seems like to me that the vaccine ought to work more effectively in you because you do have a stronger immune system they help fight off the virus if you're exposed to it. Whereas somebody who doesn't have a strong immune system, they're not doing a lot of the things that you uh, just got through mentioning. And therefore, yes. because their immune system is weaker, they're going to be more inclined to get the virus, even if they took the vaccine. Yes, I would agree with that statement. Yes. Yes. And so so it's, it's and if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me asking have have you taken the vaccine or would you recommend that your family members take the vaccine? You know, I, I research it because it's, as you know, it's a new type of vaccine. And it's always, you always have that in the back of the mind question, is it, what are the long-term effects? What is the short-term effect? So I research it. And at this point, I decided I'm going to take it. So I'm scheduled to take it this week. Um, I would, for my family members, if it's going to be, my family members are all in Romania, actually Eastern Europe. Um, I don't know when it's going to be available there, but I would definitely um, ask my mom to take it. She's 72. She has a bit of a pre-diabetes. So I would consider that, consider, you know, risk risk, um, benefit ratio for her would be, I would say in favor of um, taking it and and just try to protect her um, a little bit more. As you know, what I would add before uh, before I, I forget is one interesting thing about exercise. One, I always notice that there are some people who do over-exercise because it helps them a lot with, with the stress. It's, it's their way of, that's how they get their endorphins, works great for them. But I think that can cause some degree of um, inflammation as well. And in fact, I do have uh, an acquaintance who got COVID. Otherwise, you know, pretty healthy, fairly healthy, but a um, passionate runner. He runs marathons. He he did, um, uh, he got COVID and compared to the rest of family members, 
he was much worse and he was left with headaches and some other residual effects. So I do think we have to be careful and everything in moderation is, is always my, uh, my advice. Healthy people, you know, a lot of these, um, professional athletes, uh, college kids, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they're getting the virus. And unfortunately, they, many of them are among that nearly 400,000 that have already passed away. And they mm-hmm. have the studies coming out now uh, talking about, because I, I, me personally, I still have a little bit of uh, difficulty with my breathing after mm-hmm. uh, I got out of the hospital. And so you have a lot of people that are dealing with other health problems from having that virus. So I kind of, I guess it kind of goes back to, what is it? They call it cost benefit analysis. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you have to weigh those, but it would seem to me that having a healthy immune system, in other words, doing all that stuff that you talked about uh, and more would, would actually Mm -hmm. help it work better in my system to fight off the virus because at least I don't know of any studies. There's nothing that shows that those things in and of themselves are going to stop you from either getting the virus or getting sick from the virus. Yeah, and I think there's some because, as you know, we did have some cases where healthy people and fairly young got the virus and and, and got pretty sick. And I always wonder myself if there's some other um maybe immune deficiency that they have and we just don't know about it. Maybe it was never discovered or tested, uh, but there's something else that, that predisposes them to, to acquiring this virus and, and not just acquiring, but rather, you know, developing a severe, severe illness. So that's why I want people to be aware because I, I do hear a lot of people saying I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I don't have any other comorbidities. Um, and they tend to be a bit more lenient, you know, I'll, I'll be okay. Um, and, and they will probably be okay, or most of them, but there is this category of, of healthy individuals who, for some reason, they were, we just don't know at this point, they are still vulnerable, um, and, and they get this virus and then develop a pretty bad form of um, disease. I want to try to flip the script a little bit, mm-hmm. because a lot of times I think there is this focus on those healthy individuals and the fact that, you know, and some of them are getting the virus and that is true. Again, I agree a hundred percent with all the things you said about the different stuff to take the, you know, and, and I've literally seen studies showing that you can over-exercise, which can uh, weaken your immune system. But what tends to impress me the most is that you have, and I can't even put a number to it. I really can't, but you have thousands, if not millions of people. I think I saw one study that said that one of the reasons why the virus is spreading so rapidly is because somewhere around 52 to, I think it was 52 or 59% of the population is, is totally asymptomatic, but they're carrying the virus. Now, a lot of those people are not trying to live no healthy lives. A lot of those people are, are, you know, probably doing all sort, not exercising, not mm-hmm. eating health, not getting enough fiber, not taking elderberry and nothing. They, they mm-hmm. probably drink alcohol, smoking cigarettes, but they're getting that virus and a huge portion of that population is not developing any symptoms. 
So, so there has to be something about their immune system. Yes. That mm -hmm. is still, I guess at that point, I guess you would have to, and I don't know, I'm guessing, but I guess you would have to assume that genetics or something or blood or something, it, it plays a big, big factor in it because these people, and I'm talking probably millions of them are living. Cause I mean, you talking about, let's take the low number 52%. You talking about 52% of 330 million people. So that means you got millions of people who are living reckless lifestyles, getting the virus and surviving, not getting any symptoms, not mm -hmm. going into a hospital and they're not doing any of those healthy things. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's why I said there has to be some immune system uh, deficiency for, and, and I don't mean in a negative way, but rather, you know, just small tweaks that nature does, I guess, for each of us. And, and some of us would have that, um, whatever this particular type of, of response against the virus present, whether, you know, we do the right things or not. And, and I know it's not fair because sometimes you have on the other side, like I said, a fairly healthy people and they're trying their best and then they still get uh, the virus. So there has to be something at genetic level that's contributing to this. It's just, we don't know yet because everything is so new and we haven't even had a chance to, to look into what's, you know, we're just trying to survive basically and, and find some um, treatment options and, and learn how to deal the best we can with, with, you know, at, with the aftermath of yeah, like, the like, like, like the old saying goes, bad things still happen to good people. I know you're absolutely right. And that's just, uh, it's, it's, it's life. It's so unfair. And th this is not just about COVID. As you know, it's, you see different people with different illnesses and, and they did their best a lot that throughout their life. And, you know, some of them still end up with some, major issues yeah exactly it's, it's, exactly. yeah it's, now, it's life is not fair i'm telling you now what but, i'm, what yeah. I'm gonna say next is gonna probably sound a little crazy so listen to me carefully okay if it sounds a little crazy i'm 100 okay with you saying to me clement that just sounds crazy <laughs> <laughs> okay let's I, see I, let's hear it i will not take it personal i will not be offended mm -hmm. but one of the one of the concerns, and I think it's a, a pretty consistent concern that a lot of people have, including within my own family, is that they don't like how rapidly this was put together. Mm -hmm. uh, they think it was kind of uh, too many corners was cut, that it was just put together too fast. And it amazes me, especially when I hear somebody like Dr. Uh, is it Fauci comes out and says, listen, and I think he could understand why people were having some doubts about the process. But he came out and said, listen, corners wasn't being cut. Even even the pharmaceutical companies came out and said, yeah, we, we, we're kind of going through this, the steps, the procedures that we would normally go through. But what mm -hmm. was confusing people that they was doing it so fast. So here here is my my crazy take. Mm -hmm. Or you may at least think it's crazy on why they were able to do it so fast and then you could just tell me if you you think it was crazy and then and clean it up for me so try to make me look good when i'm done <laughs> okay. I, I i explained it to somebody uh at work like this i said and the lady she's a baker and i said so imagine you had never uh baked a cake in your life you 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 were going to do it from scratch 
you never baked one before, you know, you weren't even sure about the ingredients. I said, chances are when you make that cake, it's going to take you a while to do it. And the final result may not taste all that great since that's your first one. You never did it before. You're not familiar with the ingredients. I said, but when you look at a person who, uh, in this particular case, the individual I was talking to, I said, you have made many cakes. You know the ingredients. You can make it from scratch. Matter of fact, you can go get it at the uh, grocery store and do it even faster. And when you get done, because of what you already know, that that cake is going to taste just fine. And I think that's where some people get confused. Because when I said this to her, she said, oh, you ought to tell everybody that. I said, what gets confusing is that when people hear that it's a novel virus or a new virus and they they look at the time in which it took them to do it, I think they forget that it's kind of like a person who who's making a cake, but they already have all the ingredients to the cake. It's not like they're doing it from scratch. The coronavirus itself is not new. COVID-19 is novel. But we already have uh, research on the virus. They already understood the virus, so on and so forth. Therefore, they were able to put it together faster than what some people might think was appropriate. Does that sound just crazy or what do you think? No, I think um, I think it makes sense, and the way you, you're explaining it will it will help a lot of people because, yes, you're correct. They've been experimenting with this type of new technology or, or new ways of making a vaccine for for years. So they had the sugar, the flour, the eggs, and with this new virus um, um, or the new new variant of virus, they just they took their ingredients and 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 just said, okay, we have a new recipe, we can do it. We have the basics, what we need. We just have to adapt it and, and make into that recipe. So instead of making my usual chocolate cake, I'm gonna make a chocolate with a vanilla cake. So yeah, exactly. it's a bit different, but I'm gonna be able to do it. But I think it's for for the whole medical community should be good to acknowledge uh, people's concerns and and fears instead of just kind of saying, well, it's not a big deal. It's just a vaccine. We've been in this for years. I think acknowledging people's fear and finding a way to to communicate like you're doing to communicate that to them. And 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 again and again, I don't care if it takes, you know, 10 times or 20 times. You know, you really have to talk to people and meet them where they are and you know, one might not be scared at all, but the other one doesn't want to take a, a, you know, a, a risk. So I, I think we're maybe not doing a great job as medical community with that. And and I, I think that's that's one problem. But that being said, yes, you're you're perfectly right. They've been, you know, they've been working with this type of um, vaccine for, for years. It's just a never turn into a major or at the scale of a of vaccine either. So it, it is not a completely new technology. Yeah, they were they were able to make the switch quick because they already knew what they were dealing with. Yeah, uh, yes. What yes. I kept trying to tell people. So, you know, because trust me, you could take what I'm going to tell you next to the bank. You do not want a cake from me. Not one I made. <laughs> you you want to pray to God I went to the store and bought it because if I make it, you know, good luck eating that cake. But but now yeah. you you go to somebody like say Carol's husband. I mean now he can bake you a cake, but 
because he knows what to do. He knows the ingredients, even if he wants to make a little shift in the cake. So he may want a different taste, but he already knows what to do because he has both the knowledge and the ingredients already. It's not like he's coming up with it from scratch and he doesn't know what he's dealing with. Yes, um, absolutely. But the, I would say this though, oh, um, if there, you know, there's certain people out there who have different autoimmune illnesses, for example, or you know, maybe pregnancy or, or different um, um, situations. I, in in those cases, definitely, I would say just sit down with your doctor and kind of go over the the risk and and the benefits. So again, I think we need to acknowledge that. This is, you know, this is something that we're going to, it's, it's an, um, a messenger RNA technology. It's something that seems at this point, based on what we know, uh, it seems like, you know, we're all, or whoever already got vaccinated, they're tolerating just, just fine, but we're going to be doing it on a huge scale. So we need to be careful with certain categories of people who might, you know, have certain, um, possible reaction so i would i would definitely say encourage them to but dr next you see dr next you here's the thing and uh i i commend you for this you're sweeter than me (laughs) (laughs) you're just sweeter than me when i run into some of these individuals i've run into quite a few and they you know they'll tell me oh i don't know or they say they're not going to take the vaccine and i say to them i said well let me ask you a question did, did you take the flu vaccine? And they say, oh, yeah, I took the flu vaccine. I'm like, okay, so you felt comfortable mm-hmm. taking something that, that maybe is 60% effective. I mm-hmm. think somewhere between 55 mm-hmm. and 60% mm-hmm. effective. But you're going to reject something that's 95% effective? I, I said that, that math to me just doesn't make sense. And they look and go, well, and they, I didn't think about it from that standpoint. If you if you took one, I just don't get it. And that's when someone will say to me, well, they just made that too fast. I'm like, okay, you're going to get the cake story. <laughs> and I think what they mental sometimes is just it's a different type. It's, it's you know, they perceive it as a in, time interval. It just is too fast. But again, I think talking doctor, them again you. and again would be the solution. But And I agree with you. Like I said, you sweeter than me. But what I try, I don't, I don't care what kind of cake it is. If I go to somebody who knows how to make cakes, they've been making them for a long time. They have all the ingredients, but they're going to make a a cheesecake instead of a a chocolate cake or a vanilla cake. My point is, it's not like they're just snatching this out of thin air and throwing some stuff together. I'm just not as sweet as you are about trying to help people kind of grasp that. Uh, right. But how about this? How about if that person has, let's say, I'm just making up, has some lactose intolerance and then has some allergy to peanuts. When they go to buy the cake, I guarantee you they will start, you know, asking questions and they're a little bit more afraid to just, or, you know, you're, you're, you're sampling food in a beautiful market in Spain. I don't know. Right. If you do have certain food allergies, you're going to be careful. You're not going to just pick up any, any food, although, you know, it's cooked. It's, you know, you see it's cooked in front of you. You have some, some people have some restrictions. So I think when it comes to this vaccine, it's, it's about the same, you know, once, once you have some health issues, they tend to be more concerned, more guarded and, and more, more fearful because it's, you know, so that's kind of the the difference the way I think. And, and Dr. Right, Nexu, so. Dr. Nexu, again, that's sweet. <laughs> and 
I'll be, I want to just run over there and hug you right now. It's, that's <laughs> nice. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to attack it. I, I hear you. I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's the reason why I called and asked my doctor before I took the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the very reasons you just got yeah. to express if there's some yeah. allergy or anything well first of all you need to be familiar with your own health first of all and if you have that doubt i literally called the doctor and asked the doctor i asked him if he thought it was a good thing for me to, especially since and which is another question i wanted to ask you about in a few minutes but because mm-hmm. i already had the um the covid 19 virus but before mm-hmm. before we address that question, I want to just ask something else about that hydrochloroquine. I said it a few minutes ago. Right? Yeah, I want to ask you something about that just real quick, because this person, they gave me some information. It was funny because the, what they gave me only had like the 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 title of the article, not the actual article itself. And it was my understanding, which I, I'm positive that I not only heard but read that the center for disease control and the national institute of health and i believe even who the world health organization all of them rejected this idea that hydroxychloroquine could be used to prevent or fight off uh, covid 19. and uh he gave me this 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 article title and it stated that according to and it, and it was it was published on the 12 15 20 uh it said according to the ama uh, or the ama in other words uh, rather the ama rescinds hydroxychloroquine prevention order and and i looked at that and i thought well that's kind of odd so basically what this this person was trying to uh, convince me is mm-hmm. that the american medical association changed that its position on taking that drug for a COVID-19 has changed. To your knowledge, is that correct? I personally haven't heard anything about that, no. About the AMA being involved, oh, no. Mm-mm. Okay, I just wanted to be clear because... Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, no, I have not, no. And I even tried to go online to, to try to find it, and I and there was a, another article somebody else wrote, and they, they said that that was not true, that the AMA did not do that. And so I said, well, let me, I mean, yeah, I said, yeah doctor, I asked her because I would assume y'all get the information from the a- you know, American Medical Association. Yeah, uh, no, Mm-mm. nothing that I'm aware of. No. So and, and the CDC and the NIH and the World Health Organization, who, uh, to my knowledge, none of them have changed their position on that. That's correct. Yeah. They have, no. No, they're not endorsing. You know, earlier I talked about the two types of vaccines out there mm-hmm. um, does, does it matter which one of those two you take uh no i don't think so whatever you're offered for or you know you have access to because originally yes. originally i think we had a option of the pfeiffer i hope i'm saying that right mm-hmm. the uh, vaccine and then the moderna and mm-hmm. i and i'm i think the the pfeiffer one ran out and so and it was funny mm-hmm. to me because the lady asked me which one I wanted. I said, well, I don't know which which one you think. She said, well, take the Moderna because that's the only one we got left. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you want to take the one they have enough of, right? Because you need your second dose. So you want to make sure they're not running out and then you're left uh, only with one dose. But in terms of um, 
effectiveness, they, they have similar numbers. And the same for, I haven't heard that one would cause less reactions or more reactions than, um, I mean, sorry, adverse reaction than the other one. There seem to be um, absolutely equivalent. Something I touched on a, a few seconds ago was for people who already have had the virus. And I, I think one of the positions has been at least a minimum of, of uh, 30 days. I, I've even heard 90 days. So for people who have already had the virus, in your opinion, does it does it seem like it's okay for them to take the vaccine? I think it's okay because uh, the vaccine will act as a... Um as a boost for you know your immune system, I would agree that you need to wait um, a bit because once you had the virus, you're gonna have some antibodies, right? So you, you're gonna have some degree of protection. The question is for how long and how strong, right? And we know that people got infected the second time, and the duration of antibodies being present in your blood, um, you know, could vary from three months, four months is, is so different, five months, but it's definitely not a long-term um, response from, from the viral infection. So that's where the, the theory of, you know, getting the vaccine anyway, um, just to, to, to give you a boost and also right. to, to help your immune system kind of keep that like as a strong memory, just in case you're exposed to the virus again. I would say personally, and, and again, there are not too many studies, kind of like a common sense guess at this point. I would personally, if I would be in that situation, I would I would probably say somewhere at uh, maybe two months, two and a half months mark, that's when I would do it. Uh, because you also, it takes a bit of time until the antibody production is kind of kicked into gear. So I would think by the three months mark, you would be back on, you know, good, good levels of antibodies. That's, that's what I would, you know, do myself or, or tell my, my patients. Definitely not before 30 days. I think that that would be doing it before that would be way too soon. And it would not give you any additional benefit. That's just how I would, I would see it. Yeah. Cause I've already told my story on one, on a previous podcast and I ended up with acute renal failure. I ended up with COVID-19 uh, mm -hmm. pneumonia and so so i called the lung doctor mm -hmm. and i asked him if i should take that vaccine and he said yeah and then and not only did he tell me that it was okay for me to take it he told me he said clement i took it myself <laughs> mm -hmm. and i said well okay i said that that'll work for me so mm -hmm. so he felt very comfortable with it um mm -hmm. Wait, may i ask the, a question oh go ahead okay i'm sorry i just wanted to um Go back to something. We were talking about drugs that are basically repurposed and hydroxychloroquine is like mm -hmm. the most notorious because it's been in the news a lot. But there's right. another one and I wanted to know if Dr. Nexu knows anything about this one because we are talking about alternatives to the vaccine as well. Ivermectin, have you mm -hmm. heard of that and do you know much about that? Yeah, the same um, uh, friend of mine who was treated with hydroxy, after that they tried um, ivermectin and did not work either. Okay. Um, again, there's some there's some um, people out there who said that they, they use it and with, with great results. It's not something that we used in the hospital, so I can tell you that, you know, I personally have seen it or, you know, yes or no, good benefit or, or no, because we just haven't, haven't used it. But 
from what I hear based on different other channels uh, that, you know, doctors communication networks, things like that. I haven't seen um, any or haven't heard anybody saying, yes, every single person got a benefit or benefited from it. Um, and then, like I said, the case that I personally know, this this gentleman, he they tried that as an outpatient and, and he still got, got sick. Yeah. And, you know, there was yeah. some adverse reaction with that. So I don't think we have the data to say, you know, you could use this drug and, and it can... For sure, it, it can help you prevent COVID or, or even replace the, the vaccine. Right. And I don't know, honestly, if I would be, I, I don't know if I would be interested in taking that drug versus vaccine because, you know, like I said, there are adverse reactions with those drugs as well. You know, I, from, you know, I'm, I'm swapping one thing for, I, I don't think it's, 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 it's a great benefit. Which is, it's still a drug. It's still a drug, yeah. Right, it's oh, still, yeah. A drug it's still a drug. Me, and 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 yeah. in any yeah. drug, you know, you got side effects. You got, yeah, you know, and and if it hasn't been thoroughly tested, as especially as intensely as some of these other things have been uh, uh, looked at, for whatever reason, well, uh, it'd be kind of hard to say. Yeah, I was just thinking because mm-hmm. that drug has been on the market for quite a while. I think it's probably over forty years or so. And even though they used it for something else, you know, I've, I've heard, yeah, yeah, it's an antiparasitic, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, I've heard that it was pretty effective with with not very many side effects. All medications have side effects, but I, I was hearing that that one right there was uh, was pretty effective. But well, I, and I until Carol mentioned that, mm-hmm. I personally have not heard of that particular drug. I will. I will say this, I am thoroughly convinced that all pharmaceutical companies uh, love money with a passion. Uh-huh. <laughs> they love it so much that that's what guides their decisions and what they're going to do. Uh-huh. And if that drug or any other drug like the like they wasn't trying to just be against hydroxychloroquine, especially since they already had it. I mean, they'd have made a ton of money. So, so if it was going to be that great, that effective, then there's no doubt in my mind, it would be out on the market. Now it would be pushed hard. They, it's something that they would, which is what they tried to do with the uh, hydroxychloroquine in the beginning. President Trump tried to push it real hard. If, if that was the case, I think there would be uh, like these other drugs that they're looking at ample studies on them uh, showing their effectiveness. I don't know one way or the other. But I am fairly confident that if they did work, whatever that drug was, it would be on the market right now because they would be trying to push it. And and they definitely would be sticking the word COVID-19 in the marketing when they push Mm -hmm. it. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question about um, the the virus Mm -hmm. and the vaccine. So to the best of your knowledge, do they use the actual virus in the vaccine or no? No. It's a, it's, they're using something called messenger RNA, which is kind of trying to explain it, you know, the best way I can is sending uh, the human cell an information package and helping the cell produce this particular protein that's genetically similar to the virus. And that protein is exposed inside our body and is triggering an immune system. So it's kind of um, you opening an email from me where I said, Clement, I need you to, you know, do this X, Y, Z 
for me. This is your task. And then you'll follow the instructions. And after that, the, the email is deleted. You follow the instruction. You'll build this, build this you know, little object and you'll put it uh, inside your house for, you know, a certain purpose. That's kind of, in, in COVID case, of course, that little object would be the new protein, which stays in and it's exposed on the surface of our cells and is triggering some degree of immune response from our body. So it's kind of preparing the body, having those antibodies ready in case you're exposed to the virus. So I think it bears repeating because I, I, I love the, um, the quick way you said no. The, the, the actual virus is not in either one of those vaccines, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes that concerns people is they think, oh, oh it's the event. And, and with some of the people I talk to, especially some of the guys I talk to uh, on the job, I, I understand some of their concerns and fears. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not totally cold hearted because there have been uh, cases in the past. And I know some people get tired of hearing it, but the Tuskegee experiment they did with syphilis and, um, African-American males and, and, and other uh, groups in society been experimented on with drugs. And so I get that fact, you know, that, that people are very reluctant to believe this stuff. But uh, like I said, at some point, you got to look at the, the cost benefit analysis and because I, I had the virus. I was in the hospital and uh, you don't want to have to deal with I have dealt with and, and people who that I know especially those who got admitted to the hospital, not the ones who got the virus and had some symptoms and stayed at home because that was the case for my wife, but ones who had to go into the hospital, had to deal with COVID-19, still, I mean, had to deal with COVID-19 pneumonia, still dealing with COVID-19 pneumonia and, and whatever other issue it comes up with. Cause if, if it's my, it's my understanding that it can affect the brains, it affected my kidney, it can, you know, other organs can be affected, correct? Correct. Liver, we've seen issues with liver, uh, blood clots, uh, brain, as you mentioned, of course, lungs, um, kidneys, because when you're not doing well and get dehydrated, that's affecting your kidneys. So it's, it's just a vicious cycle. Yes. Exactly. Now, this is one of the things that, that like puzzles me. <laughs> it really puzzles me. They, they say that both vaccines are 95% effective. And I, and I believe the third one is coming out, which is, I think is going to be approved fairly soon. I don't mm -hmm. think it's 95, but it's high. It's still high. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, probably up, I think, in the 80-some percent range. Now, mm -hmm. if they're that high and we get the vaccine, why in God's name do we need to keep wearing that, that, that face mask? Because, again, since it affected my lungs, wearing that face mask, you know, makes something that's already difficult to do more difficult. We're just trying to breathe on the job with that face mask on. So if, if you get the vaccine, why do you need to still wear the face mask and right. the eye protection for that matter? Right. So uh, here is how, uh, you know, how it works. Um, whenever you're exposed to the virus, most of the time, it will be through uh, respiratory uh, pathways, right? So meaning your nose. So the moment you're exposed to the virus, you know, the virus is now inside your nose on the nasal mucosa. 
and it's triggering um, um, an immune response, meaning your, your body is now alerted and is mobilizing the troops to fight the virus. Now, if you have the vaccine, that process is gonna be um, faster because you already have some something prepared inside your body. But it might still take a while for that, depending on the person, and like we discussed in the beginning, depending on how healthy your immune system is, it might still take a while for the immune system to respond 100%, kick the virus, kill the virus. And that in period of time, we don't know if it's you know, a couple of hours, maybe one day, two days. So in that period of time, you still have the virus present on your nasal mucosa and you can unfortunately transmit it to other people. We don't know. There is some evidence that's suggesting that the, the rate of transmission to other people is, is lower for people who took the vaccine, but we don't have that data yet. So we cannot say right now for sure if you're vaccinated, you're not gonna give it to um, someone else. All we can tell now is that only I believe seven people who had a vaccine developed symptoms and, and the actual illness versus a much higher number of placebo people. So for sure it helps you fight the virus. It helps you not develop a you know significant clinical illness, but we don't know yet how much is affecting the transmission. So until we know that, that's why it's it's recommended to still take all the you know precautions and 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 wear your mask at least I would say a couple of weeks from from the second dose again this is more like my common sense and medical sense right because hopefully as after you get the second dose and and we know that's the one that's boosting the immune system even more hopefully at, at some point uh, and hopefully we'll be able to prove that based on their data because they're working on that. We will be able to tell if the transmission rate would be lowered as well and not just, you know, the rate of developing a significant illness. And and I, I guess one of the other things, and it literally just popped in my mind, but I guess one of the other things you, you got to take into consideration is your employer because mm-hmm. you may get the vaccine, but your employer may still require that you wear the mask. And so therefore to keep your job, I guess you should wear the mask and as well as the other stuff, protecting the eyes, making sure you wash the hands and still maintaining a reasonable distance. And even with that whole issue with the distance, and actually I'm kind of curious if you, uh, if you have heard or read anything about this, because I've been saying it for a little while now, you know, a few months, everybody keeps going on and on about this six feet, six feet, six feet. And I thought I saw some studies or heard of some studies that showed that that six feet was actually, you know, really was not far enough. Really, it should be uh, you actually should have a distance of, of, of more than six feet. But I, but I never hear a whole lot of talk about it. Have you heard anything about it? Well, the whole uh, six feet theory comes from what we call um, droplet precaution, right? Like, you know, 40 years in the hospital you have your flu patients, you always go in with a mask on because the flu is mostly transmitted by, by drop, by, by bigger particles that, you know, when you speak, you cough, you sneeze, those particles will kind of, you know, flu through the air, but eventually it will, you know, those particles will, will fall off on some surface. And that the distance for that was kind of six feet. Unfortunately for this particular virus, uh, we do believe now there is also some airborne transmission 
And when it, you talk about airborne, then I think that six feet rule is non-existent, so to speak. So it's, it depends where you, if it's, if it's a closed uh, space and, you know, you have someone who's sick and possibly can transmit the virus. And we know, like I said, that it's, it's also airborne. Definitely the six feet is not going to be enough. And that's why I think we're seeing, you know, people who would be in enclosed spaces, maybe like car, they're seeing it, you know, something that will increase the chances of uh, spreading some virus. Um, that's where we see uh, the danger versus, you know, maybe you being outside walking and then you, you know, you chat with a person and you find out later on they're COVID positive. You're, it's, it's still, it's open air, even though it's airborne, it's not gonna, it's not gonna affect you. But wouldn't that be uh, even stronger reason to uh, make sure you're putting on the mask, washing your hands, keeping the eyes covered because it's, it's at least to me anyway, it just seems more unrealistic when you say, well, really that distance should be more than six feet. And so, you know, and I'm not saying throw out the six feet, but it, it becomes more of an argument for why you should definitely make sure you're covering up. I know over the weekend uh, there was a, a, a championship uh, football game. And mm -hmm. after that game, there were a huge number of people uh, gathered together celebrating. Mm -hmm. And from the pictures on the on the news, it don't look like hardly anybody, if anybody at all, was covered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it the the only thing I would I would you know remind you with the airborne part. Uh, so so the mask will protect you in terms of the droplet if you're close by to a person who's infected. The airborne part that's only prevented or or. It, covered by the the N95 that we wear in the hospital, right? That's the real one. That we, that's why we use those masks before for uh, patients with uh, TB, uh, tuberculosis. That's another airborne disease. So in order to prevent airborne transmission, you really have to wear that type of mask and you have to be fitted like we, we do in, in the hospital. The droplet part, yes, the, the other mask will, will um, uh, help. Yes. Right. Because I mean, and plus the fact that you you have more exposure than that 95 becomes definitely much more essential. But just for the general population kind of getting out, walking around the standard. And I believe they say it should have at least three layers. The uh, the face mask should have at least three layers. So that would be OK for the general population. Right. right. It, will, it will help will help with lowering the risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, I know with the flu vaccine, I know a lot of employers uh, literally mandate that you get a flu vaccine. Do you think the time is going to come when they're going to, because I know now it's optional, but where they will mandate uh, getting the vaccine for the COVID-19 because uh, unless I'm crazy and did bad in microbiology, which I do not recall doing bad in microbiology uh, that that virus is here and the likelihood of it disappearing is about slim to none. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think will disappear. And um, I do think that eventually, I, I don't know what's the time frame here, you know, I don't know, one year, two years, three or more, but I think eventually we, it, it might be required. That's just my, my feeling here that that's going to happen. Could be so because mm -hmm. I do see the time and hopefully soon when the 
when you probably don't have to worry about wearing a mask and everything as much. And this is not something I, I don't think I understand too well, but from what I've heard, so that would be more along the lines of when you get this herd immunity. So act like I'm five years old and try to help me understand when they say the herd immunity, what are we talking about? So we're talking about basically when enough population was or, or a high number of people were exposed to, you know, to a virus and, and they de- develop, we developed enough um, immune response that were not now de- developing the actual illness. So um, basically there are two ways to, you know, to become immune, right? You either actually catch the virus and fight it off and you have your own antibodies or, or to get the uh, vaccine. So either way, whenever that happens, so most of people in within a community is an, is immune to a to a viral disease, then we call it herd immunity. And it takes, I believe, there the numbers have been changing. I think Dr. Fauci was initially kind of uh, saying maybe around 50, 60 percent of population. Now they increase the number to higher, 80 percent, 90 percent. But basically, it's, it's when enough people are immune to a disease, either through their own uh, natural immunity or through a, through a vaccine. And when that happens, that will ultimately slow down the transmission of the virus. And then the virus will eventually not die, but you know, disappear from, from the community. So now uh, this is something that has come up, has been in the news a lot, and people are worried or concerned about it. And I think rightfully so. The um the fact that we now have all these new uh, mutation of the virus and now they have uh, clearly shown that it's here in America. Um, yeah. Does the vaccine work on the new the new uh, viruses? From what I understand, at least on the UK variant, it does because um, whatever the exact mutation was, it's not affecting the the protein that's um, or or the information that we're using for for the vaccine. So at least for for that one, uh, they're saying it's it's still the vaccine is still good. I'm I'm not sure about the other one. To be honest, I have to research that a little bit more about the second one. Now, some people they say that after they get the vaccine, they felt nothing. They you know other than the the, the needle going in. When I got the shot, I didn't even feel the needle. Like the needle seemed small to me, but they said everything felt fine, seemed fine, but maybe three or four days later all of a sudden you know they they had some swollen lymph lymph nodes their arm was a little sore um Mm -hmm. what do you think about that is that something that they should be overly concerned about or what um no i don't think i would be concerned about the those type of um effects or or adverse reaction i think it's mostly your immune um uh, system responding to to that protein and kind of mobilizing and producing the, the antibodies. Um, I would be concerned if, you, if there's really high fevers, if there's an immediate allergic reaction, those are the type of things that you wanna be careful about. But, you know, if I would say I would be concerned if there's some type of rash, something, um, something of that nature, not really about just um, uh, local soreness that's, that happens. Um, like you said, some people have no reaction at all. Some do develop uh, low-grade fever. Some all, all all different type of reactions. But no, not not that. Well, well uh-huh. in that vein, I'm gonna ask this next question because uh, somebody actually gave me this question. So 
I don't want them to think that I ignored that question. And, and yeah. you seemed like to me, you were kind of already touching on it a little bit. And they said, can COVID infection cause an autoimmune response after a person is COVID negative? You know, uh, thinking about the um, pathology of the virus and how I've seen it develop, yeah, I can see that happening because this virus triggers a pretty strong uh, immune system and uh, reaction from from our body and also a significant degree of inflammation. And when there is such a storm inside a body, there is a chance that some regulatory mechanism go wrong or they don't perform as they should. And you're left with some overproduction, overstimulated immune system. And it just is like a, it's like a vicious cycle, a kind of it's, it's going on by itself. We, you don't even need now the virus in order for, for it to perpetuate and, and keep this kind of chronic low low fire inside the body so I, I can see that happening yeah and I think that's why some people are left with some um, headaches brain fog you know those kind of thing I, I would I would say and it would be interesting I think we're going to have even more data of course as we learn about the long term now um, residual effects but I, I can I can see that happening yeah I mentioned a couple of times how I called uh, my doctor to ask him if I should take that shot. And I do not want to end this program without making something absolutely clear. I also called on Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, in, in my view, if you decide to take the shot before you take that shot, take a shot of prayer. So I, I talked to my doctor and I prayed on it um, mm-hmm. and reversed that order because I prayed on it first. So I called the doctor. After I got the shot, I, I prayed on it. And, and I'm comfortable with it. I'm okay with it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. I recommend others do it. Uh, would you like to share any uh, final words with us? Um, I would say it's. It's. I, I know. I completely agree with you. It's a matter of um, thinking about your own personal health, but also about um, others. And. Yes, I understand everybody's concerns and I'm not going to sit here and lie that I'm extremely happy about taking another vaccine because none of us, like you said, you prayed about it, you asked your doctor, right? So we understand that. Um, I just think at this point, this might be our best shot at restoring some of the normalcy around us and, and you know, going back to some or, or you know, some degree of normalcy. And I think you also have long-term adverse reaction from the virus itself, from the other illnesses that kind of at this point go untreated. You know, I'm talking about mental illnesses, so many things that now are taking a, um, a vaccine because of this virus. So I, I think, again, comp- risk and, and benefits at this point, I'm not sure we have a good alternative. Keeping your immune system the strongest you can, absolutely. Uh, that's what I'm doing. That's what my family is doing. And and let's just keep moving forward somehow. We have to survive this. And and I agree with, with the faith and, and praying because it always helps. That's, that's what I would say. Amen. And, you know, there was no doubt in my mind, I said that Dr. Nexu is going to deliver. And deliver you did. I, I loved it. I enjoyed all of it. I hope and 
uh, pray that uh, our listening audience feels a, a lot more comfortable about it and they feel much more knowledgeable about it. At this current time, uh, Dr. Nex, you, it's been a, about a week or so before I counted, but our program has uh, reached, uh, I think, 20, 2021 different countries. And when we're talking wow. about COVID-19, uh, it's a pandemic. When we're talking about this vaccine, these you know these vaccines are are the same vaccines that are, are are literally being spread around the world. So, you know, this is one of those programs that I think literally one hundred percent of everybody who listens to it can benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah, I really I really think you're going to help a lot a lot of people feel a lot more comfortable with making that decision not not just for themselves but for their children and maybe even their uh, aging parents. So we just want to thank you a ton for that. Uh, and you know, now you put the curse on yourself because uh, with this program, if, if you, if you do really good at some point, we, we call you back. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. It's my pleasure. And it's so we pleasure. just, we want to thank you so much. Dr. Next, you, uh, is there uh, any way that any of our listeners, if they uh, be so inclined where they can get in touch with you to seek some services? Yes, the website is www.mcimatlanta.com and the number is 678-732-9065. And uh, as always, we want to tell our listening audience, and we mean it when we say it, we want you to do more than just imagine health and wellness. We want you to let it be a reality in your life, especially as we're going into this new year of 2021. Thank you very much. And we look forward to coming to you all on next Wednesday. You know, as usual, Carol and I want to thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to the program. We would appreciate it so much if you would be willing to make a donation to the program, which you can do at Patreon. Uh, any donation, big or small, would be greatly appreciated. So you can go there to help out the program, help spread the word, and help develop new programs for the future. Again, as always, thank you so much and goodbye. If you like what you've been hearing on this podcast, go to wherever you're listening to this episode and leave us a comment. Or visit our website at veganimagination.com. That's V-E-G-A-N. E-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N dot com, where you can leave a voicemail or written comment. Click on the podcast tab at the top of the page. And once there, you can leave us a voicemail message. We would love to hear from you. Mm -hmm.